We're going to continue. We have a series, you see, in your handout. We have a series that Pastor started last week on the book of James. So we're going to continue in that. So if you want to go to the first chapter of the book of James, we're going to finish it off starting at uh, verse 19. I love the book of James. Okay, I'm a practical kind of guy. And the book of James, as Pastor Bird mentioned last week, is full of practical wisdom or advice, if you want to call it, on how to live your life. I failed to mention, I just noticed my notes, Pastor Bird and Mrs. Pastor Bird are not here today because, and I don't know if this is a secret, but don't tell anybody. I'll cover my mic. They are out scouting a potential location for our church plant. You know, we're getting an interest team together. I think we had 15 people last week who, or a couple weeks ago, who said they had an interest in planning a church. So Brian and Michelle are out scouting in uh, um, southeast of here into maybe some places we'd like to plant a church. So keep them in prayer that they have, have traveling mercies. But also, you know, as we're going to see today in James, we're not here just to sing songs and to meet our friends. We're here to uh, do God's work. And that God's work includes the work in El Salvador and the bike fix-up, but also church planning. So that's where they are today. All right, we're going to focus on the end of chapter 1. So uh, go to 19, verse 19. And uh, I think we might have the words on the screen. If you did not, perhaps, bring your most important weapon of war, your Bible. All right, verse 19, follow along. My dear brothers... Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil, and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at at his face in the mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God, our Father, accepts as accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. All right, let's bow our heads in prayer. God, thank you. Thank you for your Bible. Thank you for your word, which you supernaturally wrote for everyone in this room. Lord, take away any distractions right now, I pray, that might have followed us into this worship hall. Give us wisdom to hear your word. And to learn what it says, give us perseverance and bravery and strength to live our lives doing what the words instruct us to do. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to soften our hearts, to humbly accept the truths contained in your words. Teach us today, and it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. So we as Christians, it's a no-brainer, we're called to be students of the Word of God, the Bible. From the point of your salvation all the way through until you find your uh, 
place in your eternal home in heaven, we're instructed and encouraged to read the Word of God, the Bible. That's why we have a daily reading we, we uh, encourage you to participate in. How fortunate it is, therefore, that we have a great book to read. These 66 supernaturally put together books of the Bible are wonderful. The Bible is God's word and his law is written for us. It is a practical work, just like James we're going to read today, of how we are to live our lives in relation to God, in relation to ourselves, in relation to people that we that God puts in our path. It is a self-described as the word of truth and the law of liberty. One of the things I love about reading the Bible is that it is so well written. And we'll see today that there are often several layers of understanding that is available as you read the word. As an unbeliever or as a young Christian, you may read on the Bible on the surface like a, like a novel, like a best selling book, which by the way, the Bible is the best selling, most best selling book of all time. But as we mature in the faith and our knowledge of God's word increases in our hearts, we will dig deeper into the meanings that the Holy Spirit has inspired the writers to address. In writing this letter, James seeks to describe what real genuine Christianity looks like. He wants the readers, remember the original readers were Jewish converts to Christianity To understand how their faith is made and how their faith should be lived out in the world. This series on the book of James is entitled Louder Than Words. I got that right. Because James teaches us that our faith is not a private, take it inside and live a quiet, insular kind of faith. Now we'll see today and through the coming chapters as we go all the way through the book of James... That he's calling us to live our lives as if our faith was real and it mattered. One of the verses in the Bible that I gravitated to as a young Christian is found in verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. When I first read this, I was working in a high-powered global consulting firm and that was, it was a dog-eat-dog environment. And everyone was clawing their way on their billable scale up to that vaulted partner position. And one of the results of this hyper-competitive environment was that everyone wanted to get airtime. Everyone wanted to be heard, to have the clients hear you, to have the partners hear you. All the wisdom that was spouting out of our 20-something-year-old mouths, which wasn't much. <laughs> so coming across this passage showed me gave me brilliant advice on how a person like I should address his life. Think before you speak. Listen intently. Take deep breaths a lot when you're in a heated exchange with someone. Valuable wisdom given to us from the Bible. Now, that's the topical reading of the Bible, just two verses of the Bible. And now that I have a little bit more Christian maturity, and frankly, I found good study aids to give me uh, from, from men and women who have dived deeply into scripture, we uncover that James is really writing a much more deep message. We have talked about this many times when you read God's word. Reading a select portion of scripture without its surrounding context can lead to an improper understanding of what God wants us to learn. Now, in this case, reading these verses topically like I did works out fine. 
And perhaps that's why I was drawn to this passage when I was younger in my walk, because it was profound and it made sense. Just made sense to me. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And as I applied this to my work life and to my home life, it was a lot less stressful. But let's look at what James really wants us to learn. What James is teaching here, it's all about God's word. Look back in verse 18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. God's law, the Bible, is what has given us spiritual birth. The word of God really is the agent of the transformation. Because of the word of God and our submission to it, we are born again. And we are a new creation. And because of that miracle, that changes the sinner destined to hell into the saint heading to heaven, there ought to, be, there ought to be an outward manifestation in our lives. Because you are now saved, that you have accepted the gift of eternal life, you ought to be different. The Bible says that, believing, that the believing Christian ought to gladly receive the word, that we are to submit to the word of God and live our lives in submission to the word of God. First Peter 2 says that like newborns, New Christians ought to desire the pure milk of the word so that we might grow up in our salvation. And in your outline there, I spent many late hours this week looking up verses. So please look them up. (laughs) Unbelievers, on the other hand, we are taught in 2 Timothy 3, they resist the truth. They don't want any part of it. They actively oppose the word of God. The unbelieving heart is seen in the parable of the sower, which shows up in three Gospels. Matthew 13, in Matthew 13, you'll remember where the seed lands on the hard soil, but then it dies, it gets taken away, the birds. Or the soil falls on the rocky ground where there is no good soil for it to get roots and it dies. Or the, the seed falls on the soil that with thorns and they crush it and grow up around it and crush the seed. That's how unbelievers resist the truth of God. But not true for Christians. Believers with a true and strong faith in the word hunger for more. We want more. We receive it with an attitude of humility. And as James says here, we are to be quick to listen. We are to be quick to listen to the word of God and pursue every opportunity to listen to the word. That's why the Bible encourages regular church attendance. Because in most Christian churches, true Christian churches, you will hear the word of God preached. You should tune into Bible teaching on the radio or on TV. Or visit a uh, faithful congregation while you're on vacation. The psalmist of the very first psalm of the Bible says that, the blessed man delights in the law of the land of the Lord, and on God's law he meditates day and night. John fourteen twenty one says, Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. John continues in verse twenty three. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who do, this is it, this is a rough one. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Ooh. Now, let's see. I want to be loved by God. That's for sure. And he says that if I love him, I will obey his teaching. Okay. But then how how do I know what to obey? 
We must regularly and with great desire listen to the word, either by reading it or hearing it preached. So as James says, there is a direct connection between a person actively listening to the word of God and to their authentic and honest faith in Christ. How eager are you to learn more about the word of God? I know there are going to be high spots and low spots in a person's life. I know there are in mine. That's understandable. Sometimes it gets a little dull. You get dull to the call of God. I've been there. I'm I'm sure you guys have been there. But the mark of the true Christian is that there is an underlying desire to hear God's word. To listen to his word. And as quick as you're to listen to the word of God, we are to be slow to speak the word of God. Now remember, James is talking to a Jewish congregation, converts to Christianity, that in churches they planted around the Mediterranean. The theology of the new Christian church was different from their Jewish roots. What James is admonishing here is that until you are prepared to rightly preach the word, you should be reluctant to preach the word. We don't want to misrepresent the truths of Scripture to the world that's dying to know him. I remember early in my uh, walk with Christ, I was all fired up. And I made t-shirts about Jesus, and I went to Bible studies. And, and with my inch-deep understanding about the truths contained in Scriptures, I jumped into that mosh pit of ideas. And I made some mistakes, and frankly... Had I known about what James was teaching, I would have listened more and studied God's word more before going out and trying to change the world. 1 Timothy 3, 6 says, How teachers of the word should not be recent converts, for the fear of their speaking to crowds may cause a welling up of pride. John Knox, the famous 16th century preacher, according to his biographer, was frightened of his responsibility to teach. Now, you know John Knox was huge in the Christian church, Presbyterianism. He was reluctant to preach. So we must be slow to become a teacher of the word. Don't do it until your heart is prepared and ready to speak the truth. The the truth, not what you believe. James goes farther. And we'll see this in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, by saying that we shouldn't presume to be teachers because when entering the kingdom of heaven... Teachers will be judged more strictly. We should be quick to listen and slow to speak. James also says that we ought to be slow to become angry. Because this does not bring about with the righteous life that God desires. James is teaching here a deeper meaning than simply keeping your emotions in check. The word in Greek here, anger, means a smoldering resentment. A deep-seated rejection. The purpose of the law, according to Paul, is to make us conscious of our sins. Therefore, if you're quick to listen to the word, you'll be on a regular basis. You'll be confronted in your heart with the realization that you might have actually sinned. Am I the only one? It's just me, huh? The word of God through the Holy Spirit's unction will get into your heart. So don't build up a resentment against God's word just because... It may supernaturally reveal and confront your sin. Also, shameless plug here, don't take it out on the people who are preaching the word of God. The righteous Bible preacher does not bring into the message his baggage, his beliefs, and his feelings if they're outside of the Bible. Here at VCC, we preach the Bible, 
and the truths contained in Scripture. And if what is said from the pulpit hurts your feelings or challenges your assumptions or what you heard last week at work, I would recommend you study the Word. Right? This comes from here. It doesn't come from the radio. It doesn't come from the newspaper that said yesterday. This is a great quote. A study on gays say that gays think they're treated better. What kind of a study is that? It's a tainted study. So I'd recommend you get in the word yourself uh, before you stomp out of here in a huff and unfriend me on Facelink <laughs> or Twitter bird or whatever you guys use. I remember, now this is, this is serious. I remember one time I was teaching in a home group and afterwards this young lady came over to me and she starts cranking on me saying that oh, I'm so holier than thou and that I had it all figured out. And I thought she was joking at first. But she wasn't joking. And this brings up, um, it was clear to me that she was offended, not by me, but by the scripture. But she was taking it out on me. So I bring this up because, A, she was evidencing that she was not being slow to anger. I mean, she was like, bing, she was on me. Second thing, and this is the important for all of us, nobody walking on this earth has, had, has it totally figured out. We're all sinners. The preacher is a sinner. This week, God convicted me that I was a little bit terse with the snippy lady at the convenience store in town. And we're all going to sin. All right, that happened. And by the time I went out to get my gas, because my credit card didn't work, and she wasn't going to give me credit, and I had to put cash down, and I'll blah, blah, blah. I went back in there and I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry. And you know what? She softened because she was hard-hearted. But she softened. But we're all going to screw up to break from God's word. A true believer who sins, however, will be counseled by the Holy Spirit and seek forgiveness or pattern their behavior that will put them in a different mindset maybe the next time you run into this lady. And we will continue to live without that sin. A true believer will seek to change their attitude when put in that position again. We, might, we may want to search the scriptures to find the true position that comes from the Bible rather than what somebody said. Or we may want to reach out to a brother and sister in the Lord to get counsel or prayer. The authentic Christian will not shrug off their sin. They will not deceive themselves about their sin. Those who are convicted by the truths of God often become hostile to the message and to the messenger. God has assembled in this church people of all walks and backgrounds, most of whom, if you're over the age of five, you bring your own beliefs and feelings and cultures into the church. Most people, having read about an issue in the newspaper and the Internet and talked about it with coworkers at work or heard a teacher talk about something at, at school, already have a mindset about issues that are discussed in the Bible. So when the Word of God does not align with those beliefs, that you have on your own. There might be conflict. But we have to submit to the supremacy of scripture. The thing that brings maturity in my life. Is that I don't overthink it. Right? Because it's just right here. I don't overthink it. And I don't have to get a PhD to figure out what God's word says. I don't have to be a Greek theologian to understand it. Supremacy of scripture. Through thousands of years of hostility to this word. The Bible has never been disproven. We cannot outsmart the Bible. James touches 
on this later in chapter 4. Apparently, these new Christian churches were having some turmoil. There were quarrels and fights. You see, the human nature doesn't change from that time to this time. There are cliques and factions within the Christian church today. Not necessarily within our church, but within us and the, these guys and those guys. These conflicts within the church, the gossiping, the cold shouldering, and the wearing of the hearts on your sleeve. Who does that strife benefit? God or the devil? We should stop them. We need to be slow to anger. We must receive the word with submission and we must receive it in purity. Verse 21. Get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. You cannot receive the word of God until you put off that sin that makes you filthy. The verb here literally means to take off your dirty clothes. So before you are quick to listen to the word, before you seek to receive the word of God, you have to repent. Do you know that it's a good spiritual practice to get ready for church before you're sitting in here and talking about bake sales and stuff? You can't just come running in here 10 minutes late, all frazzled, having thrown your kids over to the, to the uh, school back there, Sunday school, and grabbed a cup of coffee because you need that cup of coffee to come in here and stay in the floors and make, <laughs> and make people scooch over because I want all my family to sit together. You have to be ready for worship. That's enough said on that. <laughs> Except for the fact that, hey, I had to prepare for today, right? And it was, there were some late nights when I'm trying to do my job and be a dad and all this stuff, cut the grass. So I had to prepare for this. You should prepare for this too. Here's what I would suggest. Pray the night before, right? Pray for people to come to a saving knowledge of Christ. Pray that when you come through that door, you've taken off those dirty clothes of sin. And you're ready to hear the word of God, that you're not frazzled and listening to, to the voices that are telling you to get distracted. Now I've lost my place. <laughs> That's good for you. All right. All right. Hebrews 4.22 says that we are to put off the old self and put on a new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off those dirty, wicked, filthy clothes. And when you're ready to hear the word of God, be in a state that you're receptive and submitting to the God's supremacy. The word of God is a seed, right? It's a seed. And we talked about the four soils. It needs good soil to be planted on to establish healthy roots. At the end of James verse 21, we see why we are doing all of this. This is the deep theology of of this uh, brother of Jesus who writes... Because of the word planted in you, in your spouse, in your neighbor, in your kids, in your teacher. The word can save you. Isn't that awesome? The word can save you. So that's how James says we are to receive the word. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now he enters into one of the meaty portions of the letter. And a, and a basis, I'm sure, for how our good pastor came up with the name louder than words. Look at verse 22. Do not... Merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. The New King James translation of the Bible says it succinctly. This is pretty cool. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Here we have James stressing the topic of Christian character that is decided by our conduct. Character decided by our conduct. 
We can all of us claim to be Christians. Oh, well, I'm at church today. Texting in the back. I'm at church today. Claiming to be Christians. But it's not the claiming. It's how you live your life that is evidence to yourself, to people around you, and to your God. Whether you're truly saved or not. I'm getting on thin ice here, perhaps, by hurting some feelings. But just bear with me. There's some neat verses here. John 14, 23. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. 15, 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. 1 John 2, 4. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. Are you a hearer of the word or a doer of the word? Luke 6, 46. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Then Jesus gives a brilliant illustration of a man who hears the word, but does not put it into practice. It's like a man who builds a house without a foundation. So he hears the word of God. He has been inspired to build his faith walk, but he built his faith quickly and without a foundation. Then Jesus said, when the storm came and struck the house, his faith, the whole house collapsed. His whole faith collapsed. He was a hearer, not a doer. He deceived himself in thinking, hey, I have faith in Jesus. But his doing was shoddy work, and it lacked a foundation. And when the world beat against his faith, it fell apart. It's not in the hearing only. It's in the doing that shows that God has transformed the heart of a sinner, me. Doing the word is a manifestation of someone who has been genuinely saved. As you mature in your walk, being a doer becomes a habit. It's not just on Sundays that you're, hello, hello, God bless you. When you come to church, it's not when you're with other Christians. I'm not drinking today. (laughs) Or after a quiet Bible reading, when the Holy Spirit convicts you to change your life or to live this way. Being a doer should be all the time with your spouse, with your kids, with your coworkers, with that snippy checkout lady. At the convenience store. It's all the time. Ben mentioned the bike fix up. There were 10 to 12 men. I was just briefly there to make a donation. 10 to 12 men there. It was like a NASCAR pit, man. It was awesome. These guys were like. Vroom, vroom, vroom. And the, the kids were like. But it was, it was neat. We had two uh, beautiful sisters in the Lord. A couple of teens were there. And what? 50 to 60 kids. I was, this last week, I was running around getting my yard ready for, uh, for, for spring a little bit late. But I would see, you know, pick up gas here, buy, uh, buy a subway there. Hey, there's Patascala bike fix-up sign. Patascala bike fix-up sign. In a godly way, I was so proud of this church. It was cool. But 60 kids, think about that, have an inkling, hopefully, and that's what we had to pray for, that this was done because Jesus is an amazing God. He cares about them. Then we read James' vivid analogy in verse 23. Look at that. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. If you're an active hearer of the word, either through your own Bible study or attending a Bible-believing church, and listening to the word taught, The Holy Spirit will encourage you to look at your soul and to reflect on your own countenance. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. If you are in a humble position to listen to the word of God, you may get, you may, I won't say will, you may get talked to directly from God. 
either through the word of God when you're reading it or through the fallible lips of the preacher up here. That's great. That's what we want, isn't it? We want to live our lives different. We want to be the hands and feet and someday go to El Salvador. We want to learn about God and what his word says. And to realize how we are living and to get to that right place where you change your life and submit to God's law. But my friends, today's Sunday. Monday comes quickly. Or if this were in a different season, NFL games come quickly. Or the grass needs to be cut. Or school is looming. Or the internet is calling. There are so many distractions that will quickly douse the Christian faith. You read something in the Bible and your heart is pinged, perhaps, by what the preacher says. And you tell yourself, you're going to address the sin. You're going to learn more about the passage that we preach. And by the time you leave here, whoosh, it's gone. So let me ask you this. How many times has the pastor asked you to come up and address something? A certain issue in your life. How many times has it seemed that the pastor or the word of God was preached directly to you? A rifle shot directly into your heart. So I've, I've used this personal testimony uh, before, maybe a number of times. When Jennifer and I were living up in Cleveland 15 years ago, the Holy Spirit was working on my heart. I don't need to go into all the details, but suffice it to say that I needed to be reborn. Sure, as a kid, I was an altar boy in this huge cathedral where we attended, and I professed church uh, faith at a church camp as a teenager. But the way I was living as a 30-something adult showed very little evidence that I was saved. And then the Holy Spirit drew us to a church. Where the pastor preached. Exegetically. Preached right from the word of God. And I began. There it is. I began reading the word myself. You see a pattern? I submitted to the word of God. I listened to what God told me through the living word. And I was reborn. I humbly accepted the word planted in me. And I was saved. At that church I distinctly remember that it took three Sundays. Of the preacher opening up God's word. And it seemed like he was preaching just to me. There were 500 people sitting around me. But I was the only one there. At that point in time. I recommitted. Or maybe brackets. Or maybe committed. Myself to Jesus Christ. I won't know really. Until I'm in heaven. Sitting at the feet of the father. And I can't tell you. If I was saved as a 13 year old boy. Or I was saved as a 30 year old man. The more I think about it, especially studying these scriptures here in James, for all those years, I think I was deceiving myself. I attended church occasionally. I was married in a church. I thought I was filled once by the Holy Ghost in a church camp. I got saved in a church camp. But I was living like a sinner. I was hearing the word occasionally. I wasn't reading the word at that time. That's the, that's the key. But what I was doing... Would have led people to say, that, that kid's going to hell. And maybe I was. How many times did you want to come up for prayer, but your pride or your fear or your ego got in the way? This is a simple example of being a hearer. You're sitting here looking at your watch. A hearer only, but not a doer. How many times will you walk down that dark trail of the waiting sin? And still confess that you're a Christian. You may be hearing the word, but you aren't doing what it says. You look in the mirror and, being, and begin to deal with your sin. But two hours later or two weeks later, boom, you're back at the same sin. Verse 25. But the man 
who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. James says, God's law is perfect. I totally agree. And to be honest with you, most unbelievers agree as well. Most people who have given their lives totally to a sinful lifestyle agree with me too. That's why they're so hostile to you as a Christian. So hostile to churches and hostile to the Bible. Hostile to God. Because they know they are living outside of how God wants them to live. They know that the law given to us in the Bible is perfect. But they won't submit to it. In the King James translation of the Bible. The Apostle James describes the perfect law as the law of liberty. We sing my, uh, one of my favorite hymns here. I think a couple weeks ago we sang it. I won't sing it for you for the sake of the small children. (laughs) But it goes, you might recognize it. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. What draws me to that verse of song is that I want to be clasped like a slave to God's law. I don't want to be clasped to sin. In verse 25, James brings up a dichotomy. For many unbelievers see the law of God as restricting and binding and old-fashioned. And yet, he says it brings freedom and liberty. Really, these two concepts are defined by the world as being opposite ends of a spectrum. The old-fashioned, stodgy law which many feel is constricting, and the wondrous feeling of being free, being able to do whatever I want to do. But to the true believer, the mature believer in Christ, we see these two ends of the spectrum coming together. When you have a true and evident faith in Jesus Christ, the mark of a true Christian is that they strive to keep the law and live according to what the Bible teaches. For this gives you liberty And it frees us from that bondage, the slavery of sin. And James states in verse 25 that the one who is blessed, the true Christian, continues to do this. To do what? Look at 25. It's right there. Continues to do this. Not forgetting what he has learned. Not forgetting what he heard. But doing it. Doing the faith. Doing the work. The true Christian will be blessed. Not because he was a hearer, but a doer. The true Christian is the doer of the word because he's a doer of the work. Using the word continues implies that it's, it never ends. It's ongoing. You hear and then you go do. You learn and you do it. Verse 26, if anyone considers himself religious, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. Second time he's used that word, deceives. And his religion is worthless. Worthless. Why are you here? You could be sleeping in. If you're not a true Christian, why are you here? It's worthless. There's a common theme throughout James on the, of the tongue and the mouth and on speech. Because Matthew 12, and following says, For out of the overflow of the heart, heart, the mouth speaks. Look that verse up. There's a lot more there that will convict you. I don't have time this morning. I've been stressing this morning how our faith is made manifest by our actions. James stresses that our speech is often the manifestation of darkness and wickedness that comes from the center of our being, from our heart. Matthew twenty three twenty seven, Jesus rebuked, you remember this, rebuked the Pharisees 
and call them whitewashed tombs. On the outside, they were all clean and, oh, hello, and whatever they did back then. God bless you, perhaps. On the outside, they were all clean. They did all the right things. They kept the law. They tut-tutted about that sinner. But on the inside, they were full of hypocrisy and wickedness. They clearly were examples of, of people who James said deceived themselves. So we end this portion of Scripture with James describing what pure and faultless religion is by showing or doing love to others. And he gives two examples. Two types of people, widows and orphans, to whom God has a particular soft spot, and we should too. Read verse Uh, Read Psalm 68. Love of our neighbors should be the manifestation of our salvation. And the foundation of our faith. And we should live without compromise. Not allowing us to be polluted. How do you like that word? Polluted by the filth of the world. True faith is made manifest by works. By our behavior. Brian will talk touch on this more. He touched on it last week about works and grace. But right here, he's hitting on doing. The regenerated life, the born-again believer must be manifest. It cannot be hidden. Are you different? Here's a question. Are you different than you were before you were saved? On the outside, probably. I mean, you showed up to church. But are you really different on the inside? When you hear the word and accept God's call... When you become a Christian, change must occur. I've seen it. You've seen it. So why don't we all stand?